Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrub Den Podcast. We have another amazing guest with us today, who you probably all already know. We have with us Dr. Radhika, who is a paediatric trainee in her first year, currently working in London. She's an Imperial College London graduate, and even more cool, she's got her own YouTube channel and Instagram handle. And what we love about her is she gives an honest and frank experience of her you know her job the highs and lows doesn't hide anything and is a massive advocate um for trainees and peds sometimes i watch her stories and i want to do pediatrics myself but a massive pleasure how are you Radhika? <laughs> um, i'm really good thank you um yeah i'm really happy excited to be on the podcast today i think we've been planning this for so long and i'm so glad that we've finally been able to organize a time that we're all free to do this um yeah i'm really excited yeah we've been waiting for this for a long long time but we're luckily sorted a date we're here now um let's get started in terms of you know the tradition where we did a podcast we like to take it all the way to the very beginning a young radical who you know had his dreams of being a, a doctor tell us about that how it started did you always want to be a medic did you kind of stumble upon the career and kind of share that journey from the very beginning Interesting. Yeah. So I, when I was about, I think in England, obviously we have to start thinking about applying to medicine when we're 15, 16 years old and choosing our GCSEs. So I was always interested in science and I, I think I just started realizing more and more that being a doctor was what I wanted to do. Um, I had a phase of thinking maybe I wanted to go into more of a different field of science, like maybe like astronomy or that kind of way, but then I didn't really like physics. And I really enjoyed speaking to people, working in teams, and I just saw what doctors were doing and really thought that that's what I wanted to do. Um, No one in my family is a doctor other than at the time when I was applying, my cousin was in her third year of medical school. Um, But other than that, I don't know any other doctors. So... It was an interesting time to kind of think about applying. My parents were very supportive, but they were also very much like, if you don't want to do this or you think it might be hard or you don't think this is the right thing for you, then we also support that. And I also remember my teachers at parents' evening kind of saying, it is going to be a difficult career. Are you sure this is what you want to do? I think people often think that as an Asian, I was pressured into doing it, but absolutely that was not the case. my parents didn't really encourage me to do anything I didn't want to do. It was all off my own back that I wanted to pursue a career in medicine. Um, So then I applied when I was in year 12 and I applied to Imperial Kings, Queen Mary and Cardiff. I really wanted to be in London and I don't know why I applied to Cardiff. I just really liked it when I went to the open day. And then I actually got, so this is, I find it quite an interesting story, but I actually got rejected from everywhere other than Imperial. And I didn't even get an interview Mm. from anywhere other than Imperial. And and Imperial was my, I don't think I'm going to get in, but I think I should put one, one like option that would be really great to be in. Um, And no Mm. one else even gave me an interview. So I think it just shows. Imperial probably paid off the other unis. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. But yeah, do continue. (laughs) No, I I think it just shows that each uni wants different things. And that's what I say to people when they're applying, that you don't, it's it's really hard to, you can't fit all of what they want. You just, something will fit and something will make you want, them want you and you want them. That's amazing. And I think the Imperial Med School is a whole different ballgame and I kind of want to touch upon it. How was med school for you? what we've noticed is a lot of people that do apply for medicine that end up being kind of the smartest in the year, the smartest in the whole school, kind of go into this environment and all of a sudden you realise, oh wow, I'm with super competitive people, everyone's just as smart, if not smarter. Um, how did you find that transition, especially at a university like Imperial? Yeah, um, I found it really, really hard. So at my school, um, I'd say like one person every couple of years applied to medicine. It was a very small school. Um, But then transitioning Mm -hmm. to being at Imperial where 
people who had done like six A levels, and I was proud of myself for doing three and a half and, and like doing well in them. Um, I, I, there were so many specific conversations that I remember that I would feel really bad about myself and feel that it actually wasn't an achievement. And I found it hard to kind of keep on top of the workload. Um, I failed my mock. So in the first year in Christmas time, we have a mock and I worked all Christmas revising mm. and I failed. And I remember feeling so gutted. And I, I had so many times where I actually said to my parents, and my sister, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I think I should quit medicine. I, I really strongly, like, really really strongly considered leaving medicine in first year and I'm so glad I didn't because I think I just found it really hard being around people who were so clever it's such an intense degree um obviously we're used to working hard and we had a levels and GCSEs but it's to a different level um so I did find that hard and I think I, I talk about this quite openly on my Instagram but I think my mental health did dip quite a bit during medical school and it took me I wouldn't say until fifth year because it was a six-year degree and I didn't think I really enjoyed medical school until the last two years. I obviously enjoyed it. And I've had, I look back and I see pictures on my phone. And I'm like, I know I had so many good memories, but I think there was this constant overarching stress of needing to study, needing to do well in exams. I, and I know I put more pressure on myself than I needed to. Um, I would sometimes, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I would sometimes do very well in exams and feel sad with myself because all I wanted to do was pass. And I sacrificed a lot of happiness and a lot of um, time and a lot of my own well-being to study. And actually, I didn't want to do really, really well. I just wanted to do well enough to pass. So I, I think I, had quite, I was quite bad at understanding how much I needed to revise and what would mean I would pass and what would mean I would do really well. And I was quite bad at gauging how much I needed to know because I just thought I needed to know everything. Um, so yeah, it was in, an interesting time. I did enjoy it, but I enjoy being a doctor so much more. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like that during medical school where you are just another fish in the pond it's very hyper competitive um if you could go back in time now and you met yourself what would you say to yourself if in that moment of time feeling the way you felt I think I would say two things I think the first thing I would say is to kind of go with the flow of life and to to trust that everything will be okay because Mm -hmm. I spent so long thinking things wouldn't be okay and also thinking that medical school was the be all and end all and losing sight of the fact that actually being a doctor is quite different is very different to medical school yeah, and that's that's yeah. a big big aim of my page that I want to show people that what life as a doctor is really like because I didn't really know what to expect I thought that I just I thought things like if you were late to work you'd be struck off or if you <laughs> if you had if you wanted to go on holiday you could just never go like there were so many things I didn't think could happen as a doctor so I would tell myself yeah. that and I would also tell myself to kind of enjoy being a student more than I did I think I worked a bit too mm. hard um, and there are times mm. I'm grateful for it like I had pediatric exams recently and I think I did I passed them partly because I worked so hard at university but mm. I do think that I wish I just gave cut myself some more slack and like went on that night out or went for dinner with my friends instead of studying. Mm. Like, I, I think I was really hard on myself and it, it makes me feel sad to think how hard on myself I was. I think I should have like been a bit more easier on myself and kind of balance that work and life a little bit more. Yeah. So those are, what, those are the advice I'd give myself. I think what we discovered is it's this concept of university medical school and it's like, you know you've worked so hard you've got into medical school and now you have to spend every waking moment revising studying and we forget that medical school for us is our university time as well where you experience university make new friends go out have fun and i think there seems to be this this divide between anyone that goes to medical school needs to kind of grind and work 
you know, their ass off and get misses out on the university. But for us, it's the same, right? Going to med school is our university experience. And I feel a lot of people go through the system only towards the end and realize, do you know what? I'm coming towards the end of university. I'm going to be working soon. And I didn't get that university feeling that, you know, I think is a big part of our kind of journey. Um, I think right now with the rise in medics, especially and doctors as content creators being on social media platforms, I think it's important seeing Radica's page, for example, it's showing us, you know, what it actually looks like. So I hope a lot of students actually access your page, watch your YouTube videos, because it's sad to say that a, a lot of students go through that at all the medical school. It's You can pluck a student from anywhere in the country. And they they tell you, I feel guilty when I go to the cinema to watch a movie. I feel like I should have revised a bit of cardiology. It's just like, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. It's not sustainable to be studying that much. Like, I definitely burnt out. You get long summer holidays, which is great, and it gave me that rejuvenation time. But I would finish every year so burnt out, so tired, yeah. like, desperate for a break. Mm. And I, I would be studying from the very beginning of the year. Like, I would see... I, this is what I found hard, is that I would see people who wouldn't study that much, and I didn't know whether that was they were actually secretly studying or they just were cleverer than me and had a better better way mm. of grasping the content that I did. But at the end of the day, I knew mm. that I needed to go through things a few times to understand it and I couldn't cram at the end of the year. And that's that's what I ended up doing. Mm. But um, yeah, I do just feel sad that I didn't, didn't have more fun. Based on the things I do now, I realized I would have really enjoyed doing more things like being on more committees or organizing events. And I did a little bit of that. I, I was president of our VegSoc and um, I mm. did a few other things and did like netball here and there but I think I could have really immersed myself in other experiences a lot more easily than I can now and I really love doing like that sort of stuff now and organizing things and being on committees and things but I don't didn't do that very much as a medical student and I wish mm. I did because I had so much opportunity and time to yeah. could have had time to. No, I agree and I highly encourage all the existing medical students now is your time to get involved in societies, mm. learn the different skill sets and increase your network. Um, I definitely do agree. So you kind of get through med school um, and it comes to applying to foundation training. Tell us about that process, because I know the deaneries recently came out and everyone's a bit excited and some people are a bit gutted. Um, how was that process for you, um, F1 and F2 and applying? Yeah, so I really wanted to be in London. And the reason I'm so focused on London is just because my family are really close to London. I am really close to my family. We always have lots of events and things to go to. And also mm. all my friends were based in London. I went to uni in London and L London is London. So I just, I wanted to be here. So I did actually have a phase of thinking maybe I should go somewhere new like Bristol or Scotland. Um, but I actually spoke to my supervisor and F1 and F2 is fun. And I think I had a really good time, but there can be some really challenging parts. And I realized like, why would I want to be away from my support network? Why would I want to be away from the life I already have established? Um, so that was like a, a couple of month phase in like Christmas time. And then I, I talked to my supervisor and I realized actually that wouldn't work for me. And then with London, I didn't want to be in Northwest because that's where my university was and I wanted a fresh start. And so I really wanted to be in North Central slash East London, but I didn't get enough points to get into that deanery and I got into South London and I was a bit gutted because I really wanted to be in North Central East and also I guess it's part of like medical student imperial like you think you're good enough you think you should do well enough yeah. so then to kind of in a sense fail it wasn't a failure I just got my second choice instead of my first but to fail in a way um, and to not get the the thing I wanted was a bit hard for me to accept but then I ranked my jobs I really wanted to have a pediatric job and an obstetrics and gynae job and those were the two things I prioritized because I liked the idea of both of them. 
Um, and I, at this point, I had no idea what I wanted to specialize in. I, okay. I honestly had regular breakdowns of like, what the hell am I going to be when I'm older? Maybe I'll do <laughs> GP because it's a bit of everything, but I like being in a hospital and I found it really hard to decide, but I knew I liked Obzingoni and I knew I liked pediatrics. So I thought, okay, let's just fit those, let's prioritize those two. And then I got my, I think it was my 11th choice job, um, which had, had peds, had Obzingoni, had psychiatry, also geriatrics. And yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed my F1 and F2 years. Um, there were some really hard parts and it's a huge learning curve. Um, there were some rotations that I didn't really enjoy, some rotations that I loved, um, like building friendships, learning how to be a doctor, that constant compar- comparing yourself to other people, but also realizing that like they've done a completely different job, they've had a different experience and you just need yeah. to make sure you're doing the best you can and seeking help when you need it, which I did a lot of, but it's no shame in asking for help. Um, I think my advice to anyone applying now for their foundation year training is to basically have a few things that you want to, you want to prioritize, but if you don't get the job you want or you get your 30th choice job and it doesn't have anything interested in what it doesn't have anything that you're interested in, or you, you end up being really far away from where you want to be. I think that's fine because people do have a really good time in F1 and F2, regardless of where they are. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's only two years and you learn a lot and you have fun and you make friends and every hospital and every rotation is different, but you can't predict what it's mm-hmm. going to be like. And that's what I've learned a lot. You always think and imagine what a rotation is going to be like, but it's so different to how it ends up being. So yeah. my advice is kind of just accept it and go with it because it will be really good regardless. Amazing. Tell us a little bit about your first few days as an F1 doctor when you went onto the wards. Tell us a few moments of challenges, a few moments when you went, you know what, this is why I chose medicine. So I actually started on liaison psychiatry, which I found really mm-hmm. hard because I wanted to be a medic or a surgeon. Like I wanted to be on the wards. I wanted to be doing everything mm-hmm. I'd learned at medical school and uh, kind of practicing everything I knew. But I started on liaison psychiatry. So I found that quite frustrating because everybody else would be talking about their experiences and the patients that they saw and their discussions yeah. with different teams. And I'd be like, oh, cool. I saw a, I saw a patient. <laughs> I found that really hard. Um, but we did actually mm. on my on my psychiatry rotation we had weekends on orthogeriatrics. It was a really random rotation, but um, every now and mm. every couple of weeks I would have a weekend orthogeriatrics ward cover, and I think it was just so amazing to kind of be be the F one. Sometimes we're doing ward rounds on our own. And I'm like, well, I'm not I'm not qualified enough to be doing a ward <laughs> round on my own. <laughs> but like, and yeah. you you learn what you need to know. You learn what's important to look at. You learn how to interpret blood tests. And actually, these are all things that I think are really good to practice as a final year. Like follow the mm. F1 and F2. Find out at like practice discussing something with microbiology or discussing a, a radio discussing a CT scan with radiology. Like actually practice doing them because I I found it. Like it was such a new experience to me and those moments when you're like talking to the radiologist and you're like they're like why do you want the scan and you're like because my consultant yeah. said so or when my that's, the worst. <laughs> that's the worst one when microbiology you're like um oh yeah um so well what's the urine dip and i'm like mm, i don't know and it's like obviously mm. i would never call a microbiologist without knowing everything now but back then <laughs> i would just have no idea and and just call willy-nilly without anything ready it's just it, it's learning how to do all of those things um you asked me about some interesting some good experiences so one experience i often think back to especially now because i do it a lot on pediatrics was trying to do a cannula on a patient so i had a patient who the nurses had said to me can you do a cannula we've all tried and we can't and i was like if you guys can't do it i can't do it because i've done like five in my life (laughs) and i went to this patient 
And I I'd previously recently had another patient that I couldn't cannulate and um, I'd called the anesthetics reg and she gave me some tips because it was on a weekend. So there's no one else I could speak to because my only senior was the orthopedic team who were in theater. So I ended up calling anesthetics being like, I really can't cannulate this patient. Can you help me? And she taught me some tricks like making sure you like whack the hand so that you the vein comes up and causes a bit of bit of like inflammation so the vein comes up and making sure you spend a really long time looking for a vein because that's what I never used to do I just kind of pick up a hand and go straight in and actually it's really important to spend time looking for a vein so then this following shift the nurses asked me and I got the cannula in and I was literally like what oh, wow. like how did I do that when they were tried and they couldn't do it and I could and I think experiences like that really taught me to back myself more and to not just think someone mm. else can't do it I can't do it and now as a pediatric trainee I cannulate kids all the time I cannulate babies that were just born and I, I honestly sometimes I'm just like that I, blows my mind <laughs> oh, is it? that do. blows my mind how big is it is it like <laughs> like how on earth do you cannulate I know <laughs> it's ridiculous like and I, I literally catch myself and I'm like Rads did you just do that did you just put a cannula in a newborn baby because <laughs> two no, years ago they got like little teddy bears on their stickers as well you know, like, <laughs> they got like little like, like, like animations and they're like no. I know. <laughs> Two years ago, I literally couldn't cannulate an adult, and now I put cannulas in babies. Um, it's actually not that hard. Like you can see the vein quite mm. clearly, and because because they're a baby, they don't really move. You just hold their hand. Uh, I actually think the older kids, like two, three year olds, they're harder because they they scream. Um, but it's like you build loads and loads of skills doing things like that. And now I enjoy it. I'm like, yes, another challenge, another cannula to try and do. Yeah. Whereas I hated, <laughs> I hated it so much before. So. Yeah. But, yeah, that's something I remember. I also remember just like speaking to the old patients because they were, it was also geriatrics. So there'd be mm. a lot of elderly patients and they'd be bored and it'd be the weekend. And sometimes weekends were really busy, but sometimes they weren't too busy. So I would just yeah. have a chit chat with them and they'd love it. They would just love having having a conversation yeah. and having someone to speak mm. to. Um, but it was it was being an F1 was a really interesting time, I think. It was so scary at points, but you learn mm. so much. And I also love kind of being able to say you're an F1 and being able to get as much help as you can. Like as a, yeah. it, it's, it's harder mm -hmm. to call the anesthetics reg as an F2 and say, can you help me? Cause you should have already been doing cannulas for a year. But as an F1, yeah. you can literally say, I'm an F1. I've not done this very many times. Please, can you help me? And they come and it's help like you. It's a free pass sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always say to people starting Definitely. F1, like to use that to your advantage, ask for help whenever you can, because when you get more senior, you won't be able to ask for help with those sorts of things as easily. Definitely. So yeah. yeah absolutely. And if we were to flip it, and I know there's loads of F1s and F2s out there that experience it. There were times on weekend on calls when I'm just banging my head and thinking, oh my God, why? Why am I here? How did I end up here? You know, you've got like 40, 50 patients and you're running around the hospital and the, you know, the consultant's breathing down your neck. Have you had any of those difficult, difficult days and how did you get through it? Like for people that may be experiencing it? Yeah, I've definitely had difficult days. I think I think I've had difficult days all the time and even now, but once you get into a specialty and once you realize like what you really love, it really mm. makes it so much easier. And you, you feel like you're surrounded, well, you are, you're surrounded by people who also love the specialty and you kind of all kind of boost each other. But as an F1 and F2, I had difficult days and I don't know how you get through. I, I always try and hold on to the positives the small wins and sometimes they're really really small like this is why I celebrate things like getting a cannula in because if I don't celebrate those small things there will be bad things that beat me down 
and I can't really like I need to focus and cling on to the good things and there have been so many times even when I started ST1 I'd compare myself to other ST1s who had done actually quite a lot of peds before and taken an F3 and done a whole F3 in pediatrics and also done Mm -hmm. like two different pediatric rotations doing their foundation year so they'd done tons and then I'm like oh my gosh I can't do this and I can't do that and I've not asked the right questions to my patient I can't present my patient to my consultant but actually realizing that we're all on our own journey and to not compare ourselves to other people and then also to just think back to like what you actually love about medicine and why you decided to do it and sometimes why you decided to apply when you were 18 isn't the same reasons as to why you love it now but thinking about now what what do you love about your job what do you look forward to your job which I I really do I really do look forward to going to work um and thinking about what aspects of being a doctor just really make you thrive I think is really important because there are going to be hard days there's there's no there's no two ways about it um but you you kind of need to accept that and also there are hard days in every job it's not like just being a doctor has hard days all my friends in so many different careers I've one of my best friends is a chef at a Michelin star restaurant and she has hard days it's different to my hard days and but that doesn't take away that we all have difficult times and we kind of just need to accept that because we do our job for the good things and that's what we need to focus on mm-hmm. to get through. Radhika, amazing. Every time you speak, say the word paediatrics, you absolutely smile and glow <laughs> and there's a spark in your eye. How did you, a lot of us actually go through medical school, F1, F2, and it's hard to really unearth where our passion lies. How did you discover paediatrics as being the place you want to be? So I also, I honestly, we went through all of medical school and all of F1 being like, what do I want to be when I grow up? As I said earlier, and I did my pediatrics rotation during F what during I did my pediatrics rotation during the first rotation of F two, and I did it. Mm. And even when I applied, I was a bit like, is this actually what I want to do? Let's just see. Um, mm. And it's not really since I've been in training that I've really really loved it. I think I just folk. I had to think about what I love, and I realised I love being in a hospital. I love working with children. I love that pediatrics is so general. You don't really have to focus on a specific mm-hmm. specialty. All you're focusing on is saying, okay, I like working with people under 18 years old. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even within pediatrics, you could do general peds, you could do pediatric cardiology, you could do pediatric endo. Like there's so many different things. You could do neonates. Oh, wow. So yeah. I think I, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And also I spent a really long time trying to make a plan on what I wanted to on what future Radhika would want. So I'd be like, okay, well, Mm. one day I want to have kids and Mm. future Radhika will find it really hard to work and be a pediatric consultant and have kids. And then I had actually had a weekend shift where I spoke to one of my registrars and she was like, you can't make plans based on what your future self would want because you don't actually know what your future self will be. You think you know, And you hope, like you're hoping for a certain way of life or a certain version of yourself, but you don't know. And there are things that have happened in my life where things haven't gone to plan. And it kind of really did remind me that you should should make plans based on what you want now. And if the situation changes, that's the beauty of medicine that you can can change if you really need to or if you want to. Exactly. So I think... I just really loved my pediatrics rotation. I spoke to the consultants on it and the registrars and I was very open about the fact I'm thinking about it, but I get put off by the rotor. I get put off by the fact that consultants have a, like a very stressful rotor and it in quite a lot. And mm. they would tell me things that actually made me think, actually, you're right. This is what I want to do. And this is like, this is what I want to mm. specialize in. Um, no. So yeah, that's how I decided. I just thought about what I wanted, what I enjoyed, and then what was worrying me. And I tried to find ways to talk through what was worrying me about the specialty. No, I definitely agree. And I think 
it is so important that you do pick a specialty you really enjoy where you can see yourself doing because it is something you're going to be practicing for the next 30, 40, 50 years or so. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, paediatrics, one of the reasons I love working with kids, but the thought of them being unwell makes me feel very uncomfortable and I don't think I have the resilience to deal with it. Mm. How do you deal with that? Because adults, I think we're a bit more kind of, you know, desensitized when we understand, but with kids, it, it just breaks my heart. So I don't know how you do it. Um, is that something you trouble with? Yeah. So the beauty of paediatrics, especially because I've only been working in general paediatrics, I'm not, I've not done any tertiary level stuff. Um, so far, most of the children are quite well and have kind of just a short intercurrent illness and they get better very, very quickly. That's the beauty of peds. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. I've had children who are so unwell. I remember really unwell, had pyelonephritis and um, mm. she, I, I remember she was on her bed. She couldn't even walk to the loo and I came in two days later and she was literally running up and down the ward. And it's so <laughs> nice to see that, to see how quickly they get better. Obviously it is harder when children have chronic illnesses and they've been in hospital for a really long time. I haven't seen that side of pediatrics yet, and I do expect it will be more difficult. Um, there's been a big mm-hmm. shift and focus towards well-being within pediatrics, partly because of how hard it can be at times. Um, but I think, mm-hmm. well, I think that obviously, if that's something that you should really struggle with, then it would be that you could specialize in something that has less of that as a pediatrician mm-hmm. and once you qualify. So okay. I might have a six-month mm-hmm. rotation in PICU, Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, but I don't think that's what I want to specialize in. So I probably will do mm-hmm. something that is further away from children that unwell, whereas other people actually really enjoy that kind of level of yeah. intensity and focusing on the different physiological things that you can alter in a, P- mm-hmm. in a PICU. Um, so I think you have to it is hard and you do have to be resilient and we kind of do that together as a team because you can't you have Mm. to um but also if you feel that that part isn't something you could do a lot of general pediatrics isn't as bad and obviously there are sad cases i've had a lot of sad cases as well but you talk Mm. through it with seniors you accept it you realize that a lot of the time so for example when there's a non-accidental injury case um i've had young children coming in with fractures and there's clear indication that they've been harmed by their parents and I found that really hard Mm. and like I couldn't sleep for two days because I found that so difficult um but you kind of have to accept it and know that actually picking this up meant better for the child and means that they will have a safer future and you're safeguarding the child as well so there are difficulties to it but there's also so Mm. much positivity that I think you have to balance it out and and like we've said already there are difficulties in every job um Mm, but we work yeah, together yeah, to kind of help that resilience in terms of well-being and resilience now so you said you you talked through some of the cases just to process it are there other things that you're doing to process those cases just so that you can go home and it's not replaying in your head or you can't sleep for the people who do find it oh you you know what these cases i take home with me um what other things do you do to process so I personally find that having a distance, physical distance between work and home quite good. So I live about a half an hour drive away. And, mm. and although that's inconvenient at times, like after a night shift, I do find that that journey, just being able to kind of switch off and unwind a little bit really helps because I'm physically mm. away from the hospital and I've had time to unwind. I also actively speak to my friends, especially my medical friends, my friends from medical school, and just talk through what I found hard. And it's kind of like, for example, the case where I was talking about with the non-accidental injury, it was talking to my friends that actually helped me realize that in the end of the day, I've done what's best for this child and picking this up, although it was hard, 
has has meant the child will have a better future. So I talk to people, I talk to friends, I talk to colleagues more senior to me. I also talk to colleagues at my level. Um, I also find my Instagram quite a helpful way to unwind. It's it's really weird mm. because mm. not a lot of people would find that. Post, like people often say to me, don't you find it tiring or how do you have the time for it? But sometimes I find it as my way of unwinding and like taking mm. my mind off things or maybe talking about things and sharing in an obviously completely confidential way, but sharing that there can be mm. hard parts to the job, but it's, you kind of have to accept that. So mm. I kind of try and do a few different things. I, what I do find quite hard is when you finish a long day at like half eight and you get home at nine o'clock and you've got a long day starting again at eight o'clock the next day. Yeah. I find yeah. it so hard yeah. to unwind enough to sleep at an appropriate time to be back in work That's at 8 a.m. Yeah. So I end up staying up yeah. till like one in the morning and I have to wake up at six. So that can be quite hard. And then you get to at the end of the week and it's like, oh my gosh, I've just done so many long days on minimal sleep and you just have a huge fat sleep yeah. at the weekend. But it can be quite hard just like finding that time yeah. to unwind. I, I do agree in terms of when you've got those shifts, especially straight after one another, yeah. it's really hard to unwind. I do I do love that you, you, you talked a lot about conversing, essentially, calling up friends, talking through Instagram. And you know what? We don't do that enough. I feel like... Maybe there's a hidden insecurity, particularly amongst medics, where if you call and speak to medics in particular, would you be seen as an inferior medic? Um, and I think a lot of us, it's it's funny because every F1 says the same things in terms of the challenges, doing ward rounds and being like, oh my God, I don't even understand what this word means or how do I book yeah. a scan or calling up a radiologist and saying, oh, my consultant <laughs> just wants it. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I absolutely think that is such a powerful thing for well-being and resilience. Just talking to about what, what's going on. Um, completely agree with you. Yeah. And you said about worrying that you'd be judged. But I think you need to find those specific people in your life where you know you can speak to them about anything um, and you wouldn't be judged and they would kind of have your back mm-hmm. and talk through things in a way that would support you. And I definitely have found mm-hmm. those people. And a lot of them are from medical school. Um, I say a lot of them. I have basically five best friends from med school. And, and it's funny because mm-hmm. at med school, I felt like I was so focused on trying to have as many friends as possible and being popular. And now I've left and I literally have <laughs> maybe five to eight friends that I speak to at all. And mm-hmm. only a, a couple friends. of them. That's that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but only a couple yeah. of them that I speak to and see regularly. But it's, yeah. it's just so funny when I think back to how much I was focused on friends as a medical student. And now I just have mm. a few that were actually the ones from the very beginning. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah. the ones who I speak to when I have a tough case or a tough time. It's the whole concept of quality, right? Mm. Those five Absolutely. friends give you real depth and the strength in those bonds, um, mm. which support your well being and resilience. Yeah, so, yeah. definitely. So tell us a bit more about Instagram, social media. I know it's recently kind of taken off for you. Um, why did you start it? Why did you want to kind of share your life, your experiences, even the lows, which a lot of people hide? Um, why did you kind of do that? Was it a particular reason? Was it a way kind of to outlet or to inspire others? Um, mm. I always find it very interesting to see what triggered inspired other kind of individuals to do it. Yeah, so um, it actually started when I was in fourth year of uni. So it's been about six years now. I lose track. But um, it started as a (laughs) vegan food account, actually as a vegetarian food account. So I found that I was posting loads of pictures of food on my personal account. And I thought, actually, let's just make another account to see what, um, Mm. so that I have one place to post Mm. this all and not clog up my friend's feeds. So I made an account called Veggie Rad. 
and it's like veggie and then rad for radica and then yeah. a few months later i turned vegan and i was like oh but veggie rad still sounds cool i'll just keep <laughs> it as veggie rad so for yeah. years i was veggie rad and i was posting pictures of food and then last january i'd like when for veganuary i started getting invited to restaurants um to try things and that was really cool and i was really enjoying it yeah. but then lockdown happened and i would always post about being a doctor on my stories and oh i've applied for these jobs and i'm ranking my jobs and i've just done finals and all that sort of stuff but i never did actual mm. posts about it and then when coronavirus happened i started doing a few more posts about it i was working in a e at the time so i actually mm. had i literally was on the front line I, i knew what was happening and people had loads of mm. questions so obviously whilst keeping confidential i was trying to answer these questions and kind of talk about mm. what i was seeing in a e and how serious coronavirus actually was um mm. and then i and constantly throughout when i was posting on my stories i think people people said to me like when i saw family in real life or like distant cousins or friends they'd say oh i really like your account and how real you are and how much you just talk mm. honestly about what it's like to be a doctor and that wasn't something i'd done intentionally i think i'm quite an open person as it is i've always been someone that's mm. very open um and then i thought actually i started just thinking i really really enjoyed posting about being a doctor and posting about the realities of being a doctor so i mm decided to change my name to Dr. Radica my handle and it was a huge decision for me like I was like I but I just I just felt like I'd outgrown Veggie Rad and I felt like this wasn't me anymore it didn't represent my page or what I wanted to talk about yeah. I'd kind of lost joy in talking about posting about food especially when restaurants mm. are closed like there's not even that much food you can post about and I didn't have very good lighting in my flat so I couldn't really post about food I'd made <laughs> um so I changed my handle to Dr. Radica and I kind of started trying to think what is it that I want this page to be about what is it that I want the focus of it to be and i my kind of have made my tagline um life as a doctor and everything else in between because i want mm. people to actually know what being a doctor is like because i was so scared and like i said earlier i was so focused on being a medical student and i kind of just thought being a doctor yeah it's kind of like what i see the doctors do on on, on the hospital and i didn't really have a clear understanding of what it like we're all just normal people at the end of the day we all have our own hobbies mm. we have friends we we live in wherever we live and we like we have interests like i like plants and i like vegan food and i mm. like going on holiday like there are all these certain things to me more than just being a doctor so my account mm. is very heavily focused towards someone like me maybe four years ago five years ago who didn't know what to expect kind of lost sight of the aim and want to mm. i kind of just want to show people that actually being a doctor can be really fun and has its highs has its lows but it, this is what it's actually like so i i definitely made a very active shift towards what from what i was posting about from vegan food to being a doctor but no. it was it was very intentional because i just wanted to show people what it's like and i think there are quite a few doctors on instagram but a lot of the time it can be quite glorified and it's not a glorious yeah. job all the time obviously it's really cool exactly. and you get to do really cool things and you do sometimes save people's lives or just have life changing conversations with people but that's not what it's all about and there can be times when you are literally on the phone all day or you're on a ward round till 2:00 or you come home and you feel really rubbish or you've left work late mm. and i think that's really important to show medical students and yeah, yeah so that's that is the long story of my account <laughs> No, and I think it's amazing and I don't think it's just medical students I feel the beauty of technology and being online is a lot of prospective medical students mm. and prospective doctors can see before when we were applying it's very difficult to come by work experience it's very difficult to actually understand what a doctor does or what that path entails so 
I think you've made it a lot more accessible for people to see, okay, this is what a medical student was like, or this is what it means to be a doctor, or right, this is what a PH trainee is. Because all of this stuff is like a myth, right? As What does a PH trainee do? Like, I hear people go to training, they become a consultant, and we never get to understand it. So sharing that experience is valuable for a lot of people, and especially in the honest and frank way you're doing. And this then follows on to my next question. When you are so open, when you are so vulnerable, putting yourself out there, both the highs and lows, what are the difficulties with it? Because I know you recently took a break and then came back. Uh, tell us about the not so good side of social media and how that kind of takes a toll on you. Because I know there's this, you have to share more and more, become a bit more intimate. Do you know what I mean? And I feel a bit uncomfortable with it sometimes, but it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So what I find interesting is I think that because people see me on their screen most days on their, on their Instagram stories or on YouTube or whatever, they think that they know a lot about me and there is so much that people don't know about me, like so, so much. <laughs> and it just really frustrates me sometimes that people really think they know me. People sometimes like send me messages that are quite direct, almost quite rude. And they just think that because I'm on their screen all the time that they can just ask me this question mm. and I will have the time for them. So sometimes I can find it quite mm. overwhelming. One, the expectation that people have on me to constantly reply to their messages or give them advice or tell them what to do. Or sometimes like people send me really long messages with life problems. Problems and I'm like, I'm not the person to answer this for you. And I vary. Sometimes it depends on the message, but sometimes I just have to delete it because I, I, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with your problem when I don't even know you. I have my mm. own problems. I have my job. I have the problems of my friends and family mm. that I want to help with. And so sometimes I find that quite, um, quite overwhelming at times. I think mm. also when people kind of give me their free advice when I haven't asked for it. So I find that quite difficult because I might post about something that happened in my day and I get 20 messages of people saying, oh, you should do this. And I'm like, I really appreciate that people are trying to help me. But sometimes a lot of people are telling me what I should do when I actually have decided what I want to do can also be quite difficult. And I think um, another thing that I find quite hard is making sure I'm staying, uh, making sure I'm maintaining confidentiality for my patients mm. whilst also um, sharing stuff with medical students. So I, I want to make sure that I can make my stories and posts interesting. And I also, like I say, want to mm. share exactly what it's like to be a doctor, but I do need mm. to make sure that I don't accidentally say anything that could breach confidentiality or um, do anything that could, like, even like taking a selfie at work now I only make sure I only take them in my break because actually that's unprofessional it could yeah. be counted as unprofessional and I don't want anything to like affect my career affect my progression through mm. my training I don't want any right, problems so I'm always very very careful um, of, of what I do I actually have a few different rules now so I always think how would a patient see what I'm how would they interpret what I'm posting how would a journalist mm. interpret what I'm posting because things can always be twisted mm. in the wrong way and that's something I'm always yeah, very of conscious of how mm. could a journalist if this were in the news what would it look like and I also think how would a kind of stalker interpret this because I'm very careful I obviously have to protect myself and That's no it's true I have yeah. to protect myself and I'm always very careful what's yeah. in the background of my pictures what, what where, where am I posting something because and like technology mean? means you can find out so yeah. much about someone these days and I just have to I be know, careful exactly. so I think that's that's really important because with more and more medical students and doctors entering content creation what you are saying to think about confidentiality. I think uh, Dr. Rowan Francis said it, said the same thing, that sometimes we're on that fine line between breaching it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for you to hold that up, hold those standards up, it's a it's a thing that others should be aware of and should also sort of um, think about, especially journalists and things being misconstrued, yeah. spun on whatever 
way they want and then of course stalkers the third <laughs> so patients uh journalists and stalkers well, yeah. you have to be aware and actually of. i also think how would my employees not my employees but how would my colleagues yeah. think when they saw this so i don't want mm. i don't want people to know it's it's hard it's a fine balance of how sharing enough yeah. but also maintaining professionalism and knowing that my exactly. patients and my colleagues may see my story so sometimes i wish i could just make posts and it only target who i wanted to target but you can't do that with social media and it will always target other people and people other people will always see it so you have to be really careful um but yeah it's 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 a lot to think about and especially as my page grows i need to be even more careful and then i started youtubing as well and i I take so much care in making sure i'm not saying or doing anything inappropriate loads of people in my life know that i would much rather they message me if i thought that there was something inappropriate or something I should delete or change. So like, I'm very open to that sort of stuff, but I think, no. yeah, people do need to be really careful about how and what they're posting and kind of also where they're posting as well, because it's just a slip and it could be really detrimental if they're not careful. Yeah, it can jeopardize everything. Yeah. Absolutely. On the subject of kind of you sharing your experiences and your, you know, training in PED, what does like an average day or week look like for a pediatric trainee? for those that are thinking about applying? Um, okay, so I would say we always start the morning with handover. So that's handover from the night team to the day team, go through all the patients on the ward and um, update anyone that's been unwell and also any new admissions overnight. And then most of the time, and this is also something I love about PEDS, is most mornings we have teaching for half an hour. So that might be radiology meeting. Oh, wow. Yeah, it might be discussing Amazing. interesting patients. Um, it might be peer-led teaching, but I would say three mornings out of the five of a working week, we have teaching. Um, mm. And then, so that's always really good. And I love that. I love, because I just love learning in a more dynamic way and learning on the job rather than it being a textbook. Mm-hmm. Then we have Absolutely. ward round. So that's um, always consultant or registrar left led. So that's very different to how it was when I was on ortho geriatrics, where I was doing my own ward <laughs> round. We have mm. ward round with the consultant. So the thing in peds is it can really vary, especially on a pediatric ward. You could sometimes have a full ward with like 20 patients and then sometimes you have a ward mm. with four or five patients and it varies depending on so many different things. But the turnover is so fast that it mm. one one week could be so different to another week and one day could be so different to another yeah. day. We, like we will admit and discharge five, six patients a day easily all every day compared to on a geriatric mm. ward where they're constantly there and you get one new admission every couple of days so it's very different um but we have ward round which is varying length of time depending on the consultant as you know um and then we have the afternoon and the rest of the day to do jobs so um like chasing up results ordering scans doing bloods. so we have to do the bloods ourselves because we don't have phlebotomists in pediatrics yeah and then um also just like reviewing patients if we need to and then at my hospital because it's in london we do consultant ward rounds twice a day so we also have a consultant ward round in the afternoon um most of the time it's a lot quicker because not much has changed since the morning or it might be an update yeah. on anyone more and well and then if i'm on a long day so say i'm in till 8 30 um i will spend the rest of the evening doing a few more jobs maybe helping out if there's mm-hmm. any referrals from a e because there's often another team doing um pau and the a e referral side so helping out on that mm. side if we need to do anything. Um, and then we have handover at eight to the evening team. And then eight to eight thirty we have handover wow. again. So that's on pediatrics. And then yeah. on neonates, it's very similar. But um, so when the neonatal intensive care unit and on the on the special care baby unit, it's very similar. But we also have the delivery bleep. So if the obstetric team are worried about any deliveries or if a delivery is an emergency C-section or a forceps or a vontus, then a, neonate, a, a pediatric doctor has to be there. So we're there. I was going to mention. Yeah, and yeah. it's really cool though. I love it. I love going to deliveries. It's just an, such an amazing experience seeing a baby be born, 
Um, and then most of the time the baby's fine, but it might need a bit of help or resuscitation. And if I need help, mm. I will call my senior to come and help as well. Do that. So I always, cause I did Obzingani as an F2 and I loved it in terms of, which I'm sure you know, it's, you got allocated clinic days, you've got days when you're in a &E, you've got days when you're doing theatres and then you're on the labor ward or the gynae unit, right? You've got a good mix of medicine and surgery. I never understood the pediatrics part. So as soon as the baby is born, does that then become two different patients, mums with obzingani and then yeah. peds take over. There's no kind of, I'm sure there's a lot of kind of liaising, but do you lot become responsible for that? child yeah. as soon as they're born as soon as the baby's born we put it on the resuscitator and we assess its apgar scores um and then yeah. give it resuscitation if it needs most of the time they're fine but sometimes they do mm. need some breathing support um i've not seen any very very unwell babies but yeah it depends mm. and what's amazing about pediatrics mm. is we do so much of the care like if a baby needs intubating the pediatric team do it we don't call the anaesthetist we intubate oh, the baby oh well yeah, it's amazing. So I'm going to learn how to intubate babies. I'm going to learn how to intubate newborns. And then if they need, so we've recently had a case where the baby was in, baby was born very unwell um, and we couldn't get mm. the SATs up. So we had to intubate the baby and then we ended up transferring yeah. to another tertiary unit hospital. But my consultant intubated the baby there and then. And it's just amazing that that's what we get to do yeah. and that's what we learn to do. So that's like the amazing skill set that you get to experience because you're doing PED, which you wouldn't have otherwise been able to do yeah, yeah. should you have picked another specialty. Okay, so th this is the stuff where I love doing this stuff because mm. we get to know what it's involved in and a lot of listeners are like, okay, cool, this is something I'm interested about. So, so, if, yeah. you, so if you can't get if yeah. you can't get a cannula in and you can't get through to the anaesthetic reg, PEDS. <laughs> I'm calling <laughs> yeah. PEDS. Yeah. <laughs> I think PEDS, is, PEDS actually has so much more than even I realised when I applied. I think... I initially just thought, okay, yeah, I like children. Okay, yeah, it's really cool. I like being in hospital. I like that the pediatric doctors are so fun. But the medicine is so interesting. You see things for the yeah. first time in a child. Like I've seen mm. really interesting heart conditions diagnosed in a baby that was born five minutes ago. Um, and like I said, you get to do all these cool things. You get to do central lines. You get to do umbilical lines. Um, you get to do long mm. lines. Like We learn how to do so much. Mm. We do lumbar punctures on newborn babies. It's a lot more practical than I actually thought it would be. Um, but And I was mm. so, I hated practical skills i hated like yeah. i said i hated doing canyons i hated doing blood tests but being able to learn that and your seniors are also really keen to teach you it because they know that you're going to be the registrar one day you're going to be on a night shift on your own yeah. one day so you need to learn how to do it so now i basically Absolutely. try and take every single opportunity i can to practice and if i fail i fail but it was still another time to practice another time to kind of practice that muscle memory yeah. even things like doing a lumbar puncture staying aseptic is such a hard thing to get into your head into how to yeah. do it but no, even even if i didn't get the lp at least i got to practice doing all that and how to clean and how to hold so yeah. I, everyone's really keen for you to learn how to do it and it's also just really cool being able to do that and be like, the fact that they put lines into umbilical uh, like um, umbilicuses I, I just think that's amazing that yeah, i never knew that, that. <laughs> until today yeah i didn't, didn't know that i didn't know that till i started okay, neonate is... so <laughs> okay fine so they put umbilic okay fine yeah <laughs> just they're gonna have to see that i'm going off topic my medical curiosity is kicking in and <laughs> but like you do generic for everyone else <laughs> you get to do so many more practical skills than what you think a pediatrics doctor does and you get to learn you like the in, the medicine is so interesting and so fascinating that I, I, I it's not just wheezes and rashes and eczema and epilepsy there's so much more to it and it's really really mm -hmm. interesting so i find it very cool as well which is a really weird thing to say about oh. your job but yeah i really like it amazing so after all of that, so after your working day, your working week, how do you actually unwind, turn off? What's your sort of hobby outside of work? 
Interesting. So yeah, it's changed a lot since uh, lockdown, obviously. Um, yeah. I've really, like I said, I really enjoy posting on my Instagram, but I do actively not give myself too much. Like I try to limit that because there's so much more in the world to do than just your phone. Um, I've started obviously YouTubing. So making videos and editing videos is something I really enjoy doing. Filming them is more fun than editing, I think. And then even little things like, to be honest, big, like going for long walks like in, in central London. I love just going for a really long walk, like a two hour walk. And then you get back and you're like, oh, wow, I've done like 10,000 steps. I, I love that feeling. And mm. when the weather's as nice as it is now, being able to just enjoy the sunshine. It's these things that I yeah. completely lost sight of before lockdown, but lockdown's given me that refresh and kind of made me really appreciate the small things like the sun shining and the weather and the trees and the flowers. Like it sounds so airy fairy, but that's what I really enjoy. <laughs> I like cooking. I, um, I'm way better at cooking than I was before lockdown and just trying new recipes. I used to be a bit less ambitious, mm. but now I'm like, oh, let's try this. It sounds a bit interesting. So let's try that. And then, like I said, just chatting mm. to my friends and family. I really enjoy doing that and just FaceTiming them and catching up and seeing how people are because my friends and family mean a lot to me and they've like constantly supported mm. me and got me through. Um, so that's just something I, I always really value and try and nourish and cherish as well. And then obviously everybody loves Netflix. So I just like watching Netflix and YouTube. Yeah. And I, just, I don't like watching anything too serious, just stuff that will make my brain yeah. go to mush, stuff that I can kind no. of do yeah, like yeah. everything else. Yeah, I really love doing that. Um, yeah, very, very chilled things, very simple things as well. But those, those are the sort of things I like doing. T tell us about your obsession with plants. And I'll tell you why. You remind <laughs> me of my mother. Yeah, no, in a bad way. My mum, I tell you, I don't know if it's the case. She treats her plants and gardening better than us. They get special feed. They get, you know, fancy greenhouses. <laughs> they get different types of soil. Like my mum looks after her plants better than her own kids. I don't know why. We've all come to accept it. And my house is like a jungle in the summer. Uh, why where did this fascination come from i find it fascinating basically um, i <laughs> i had a few plants when i started f1 i just had a few plants to make my room yeah. look nice but then during lockdown they cut because i ended up living on my that. own because my my housemates moved out they all moved home before lockdown happened just to be with their families and then before lock, uh, when lockdown happened i just started realizing how much i loved my plants and the excitement that you get when they have a new leaf yeah. or when like i'm looking at my plants right now just like when when they grow when you realize how much they've grown and <laughs> it's yeah it's just so nice it's, it feels it kind of feels like a pet but it's not a pet because it's a plant um and also, yeah. they, they just make me feel really happy. It sounds so sad, but they just make it's me feel amazing. so happy. It's quite cool because it's, it's a little seed and you nurture it and you grow it. Yeah. And I don't know if you watch loads of YouTube videos. Mom watches YouTube videos and all the little hacks. Man. Uh. Mom, <laughs> let me tell you what she does, right? She gets tea bags and then eggshells and she's trying yeah. to do her own little compost. I think oh. your mom's more committed than I am, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. But no, they do make me very happy. I, I don't know why. It's so sad, but I love them. Yeah. Amazing. I really, I really love how you're doing so much and you've still got the boundaries in place. That's really sort of, it says to me that you can do it all. You can have that career that you really want. You can go on social media. You can look after plants and <laughs> go for long walks. And it's all really possible. That's what it is. And I think a lot of people feel like their head is in the sand and you can't do it all. You have to be all in with one thing only. Um, so no, absolutely inspiring. And um, on the plants, uh, I'm going to need a few tips. My plant is currently dying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bought an office plant. It's not doing very well. <laughs> I think the key is actually choosing a plant that won't die. That's that's the key. It's, yeah. it's, it starts from the option that you buy. 
that's very important so a plastic one <laughs> exactly <laughs> but um, i find it very interesting that you think i do it all because to me i'm like oh i don't do that much i just go to work and i have a youtube channel mm. but then i have to i have to sit down and be like actually rads you do do quite a lot of stuff and like you do make it work yeah. so i think also I, I don't know if it's a medic thing or or what but i think i'm constantly not giving myself enough credit for what i'm achieving but actually i am exactly, doing yeah. quite a lot and I'm I'm almost anxious for when lockdown ends because I've had all this time to do what I want to do and when lockdown ends exactly. there's going to be a lot more of a pull from other parts of life and like doing yeah. social things and being out and about mm -hmm. and that takes time and I'm a bit like I don't know how I'm going to balance everything again it's going to be a very big shift in how we live life I think there's going to be yeah. a difficulty a readjusting to normality yeah I think a lot of people struggle despite mm -hmm. we're all looking forward to it we've been in lockdown for like a year on and off right and we're used to a certain way of living and we adapt we're humans right so when it does become open again i feel a lot of people will be yeah. struggling to adapt to normal life um but no i'm conscious of time and i know you're on call and you've got nights so i don't want to kind of take up on your rest period um i wanted to ask kind of what advice would you give to other people that may be in a similar situation to you or kind of to make the most of their training especially for people that may have not got the deanery of their choice may not get the jobs of their choice um a bit stuck in life because i feel you'd be great at kind of inspiring them i think two main things i would say like i said earlier go with the flow because life does actually have surprises and although it might not go to plan it doesn't mean that it won't be good and it won't be enjoyable i think it's hard because you actually mm. you think that you've got a plan and it should happen and isn't, isn't there that phrase that when you make plans god laughs which is so true because yeah. wh why do you think that what you're planning is going to happen mm. you you yeah I, th I think you should just really just try and go with it except if something doesn't go your way then you kind of have to accept it and deal with it and do the next steps and then i think the second thing would be to kind of take the most make the most of every opportunity that does come to you um there's this concept i'm sure you've heard of door knockers and window openers and just because there's a window there and you think you should go through that actually try knocking on a door and trying to kind of make your own opportunity and ask people for things mm, or mm. get involved in something that you might not necessarily normally get involved with just because someone's not offering you something on a plate it doesn't mean that you should you, you need to it doesn't mean that that opportunity isn't there for you you kind of need to seek it out yourself so life not might life might, life might not go to the plan that you had but you can still kind of make make it really good and I say this as someone who's only mm. 26 but I feel like I look back to how my life was when I was at medical school and I wasn't very happy and I just enjoy mm. it so much more now as a doctor mm. and I've made and started doing things that make me happy and that I enjoy like my Instagram or like other projects that I've started that and a lot of them have come off the back of my Instagram and being able to have people that I can ask to be involved with as well um mm. but I think doing what you enjoy and seeking those seeking those opportunities is really important because that's how you would enjoy life and also life isn't all about medicine there's, there's so much more to it and you need yeah. to balance that and yeah. remember that because yeah you will just burn out just like i say i did at medical school you will burn out if you just focus on medicine 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 and on doing everything to focus on your career you need to nourish the other parts of your life like your family and your yeah. hobbies and your friends so yeah that, that would be my advice i'd say i feel like i need to take my yeah, own I advice think. if i'm honest <laughs> <laughs> i think sometimes we do um but no that's been great and I'm glad, I'm glad you stuck through it, especially mm. after that failing the first mock exam at Imperial. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and as a result, you know, you keeping your head down, getting through it. We now have a pediatrician that loves her job in the world and we're forever <laughs> exactly. grateful. Um, 
but it's good and i think it's nice to kind of share our journeys and experiences and i know there are lots of people that are kind of not suffering but they're in they're just struggling in silence mm. not reaching out to anyone may not have the same support networks we have or the luxury of friends that do listen and they don't want to come across as weak um but it's good and i do hope a lot of our listeners do listen to this and do feel encouraged and inspired by what you're doing um especially your page we, we <laughs> hope you continue doing it because it really is a great insight into something that would have been an anomaly um for both prospective and medical yeah. students um thanks but yeah a massive thank you to you radical and a massive thank you to our listeners oh thank you